Today's reading is taken from John, chapter 12, beginning at verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder if you were to have a one or two word summary of the season that we're living in right now, what would it be? Now, I don't mean literally, you'd be forgiven for not noticing that summer is over, but how would you encapsulate this season that we're living in? Now, since I'm COVID positive, I might say, this is the COVID season. You might've been there and done that and say, we're living in a post COVID season. You might be dramatic and say globally we're on the cusp of another world war. Or more likely you might say we're in a season of flooding. Uh, perhaps your life is marked by a different season from the people around you. Perhaps a season of mourning or grief. Or, or you might be living in a season of expectation and hope. Uh, we're, we've all got different things before us, different concerns, different things on our radar. But as we return to John 12, Jesus would describe the season he is facing as the season or the hour of death. He's very much got his death on his mind and, and particularly the kind of death he's going to die and the effect of his death. And when we get to look at Jesus in this time, we get such a personal and close-up view of him and of all that is on his mind in this season. Uh, as we see this, it's hard not to be changed. 
It's hard not to grow in our affection for Jesus as we see him facing this season. And it's hard not to be challenged about the season that we live in as we reflect on the season that he was in. So let me pray for us uh, that we won't miss the challenge of Jesus today. Father, we are again confronted by uh, the willingness of Jesus uh, as he went to the cross. And Father, we're honoured by being able to be part of uh, his thinking and his prayer to you uh, as he considered this season. We pray that you might challenge us in our season and by our close look at uh, the season that Jesus travelled through for your glory and indeed for us. We pray it in his name. Amen. Uh, there are two things I want to highlight today. Uh, first today, I want us to see Jesus' sole focus in this season of his death was on the glory of his Father. Second, I want us to see the surprising way that the cross brings glory to God. So first, Jesus' sole focus in this season of his death was on the glory of his Father. Uh, when he is faced with death, Jesus is seeking fame. Not for himself, but for his Father. He's seeking glory and honour for his Father. Have a look there at 12.28. Uh, Father, glorify your name. It's John 12.28. Now, uh, this... Uh, uh, that Jesus says is the conclusion of his inner turmoil as he reflects on his coming death. And what a conclusion. Not my glory, but yours, Father. See, earlier, recognising that he is the kernel of wheat that must die for the life of others, recognising that the hour is now here, the hour of his last Passover, the hour of his last trip to Jerusalem, you see Jesus wrestling with his death. You see in verse 27 of chapter 12, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Uh, Jesus has that very dangerous thought. Is there another way? Save me from this course of action. Save me from this path that's been laid out for me. So just like the crowds where we're calling out Hosanna, meaning save us, Jesus. Here, Jesus is calling out the same thing to his father, calling on his father in the weight of his sorrow. Save me from this death. And it wasn't just Jesus facing his own mortality. He was Jesus facing the judgment of God. We recognize that when we die, we go to meet our maker and our judge. And it is this which Jesus just recoils with horror. Uh, in his death, he must take the place of those who he dies for. Uh, as we sung, uh, yielding his life, our redemption to win. So he's not coming before God as he is, the sinless, faithful son. In his death, he's coming before God as the sin of the world because he must die our death in order to open the floodgates that all may go in. This means coming before God in judgment for the sins he has not committed. The gospel of salvation may be simple for us, but it is not cheap. 
So, of course, it's a dangerous thought that Jesus is thinking here. Uh, Think it out with me. Uh, If the Father did save him from this path, where would that leave the world? Where would that leave us? In Jesus not going through with his death, the whole purpose of God in salvation would be thwarted, shipwrecked. The mission of the Son as the sent one of the Father would remain incomplete and unfulfilled. The world of sinners would be abandoned to face the judgment we deserve into eternity without rescue, without hope. Now, the access that we get to Jesus' thoughts here is just remarkable. We're brought in so close to Jesus in his internal dialogue. I wonder whether you recognize in his inner dialogue a similarity to your own inner dialogue. Do you know sometimes when you're uh, chasing down one thought in your mind to its conclusion, uh, and you chase that down until the moment where your values, your convictions, your conscience arrests that thought and says, no, 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 that's not the way, uh, wrong way, go back. Uh, and, and we get so close to Jesus here that we can hear this happening in his inner dialogue. See, he, he arrests this Hosanna, this save me thought uh, that would leave the world without a saviour and says in 27, second half, No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Uh, Jesus arrests his thoughts and remembers his mission, his purpose, what he cares about. Of course, we're mistaken if we think his mission is first about us, the world sinners before an angry God. No, his mission and purpose starts with the glory of God. And you see that, verse 28, Father, glorify your name. It's funny, as I imagine this, uh, if this was filmed, if this scene was filmed, it would go from that really close up on Jesus as he wrestles with the death he has to die. And suddenly something massive on an incredible scale occurs. And so the camera would have to pan out uh, and face uh, from the face of Jesus straight into the wide angle lens, the panorama of Jesus amongst the crowd. And then cameras rolling, the vision would show this happening, verse 28. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Of course, glory has always been brought to God through Jesus. Like so many of the themes, they're planted in the very first chapter of our book. Uh, uh, 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Even by Jesus being here, being the bread of heaven, being the living water, he's brought glory to God. As people have believed, this has brought glory to the one who sent Jesus. But of course, there is a glory to come. And that is the very process that Jesus now faces since the hour has come. I wonder for you, when these thoughts of death come about, is it on the doctor's bed? Is it in the car when you've just had that near miss? Or is it at the top of an adrenaline challenge as you're just about to jump out of a plane or do something ridiculous like that? What do you say to yourself when you're faced with the prospect of death? What do you say to yourself when you have cause to think about your own death? 
I'm not just asking this because I've got COVID. I'm fine, right? Uh, but in those moments, you're confronted by the thoughts of your own death. What do you say to yourself? Or perhaps better, what do you ask? Um, who's going to be at my funeral? Uh, more shockingly, who's going to speak at my funeral? What are they going to say? How are they going to go on without me? Uh, have I done enough? You know, Have I been enough for them to travel okay? Uh, have I done enough for them to even flourish? Those are some of the questions that perhaps go through our mind as we think about death. Now, today, as we stand with Jesus on the brink of his death, we get insight into how Jesus thinks about death. And we have an opportunity to love Jesus more as we get surprised again about how little he's thinking about himself and his own death and about how much he's thinking about the glory of God. If nothing else today, I just want you to be attracted to Jesus in just how determined he was to bring glory to God through the cross and how little he thought about himself. I wonder whether that's why Jesus uh, set up the Lord's Prayer the way that he did with the first line as it is. He sets up the prayer so that we start by praying with his focus on glorifying the Father. Jesus is so keen to bring glory and honour to the name of the Father. What's the first line of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy, set apart, hallowed be your name. So as we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're actually being trained by Jesus to pray like Jesus, to pray with his values. So keen, so determined was Jesus to see that God was glorified. And you see this particularly here as he faces his own death. So that's the first thing I wanted to cover here. That is just to recognize how determined Jesus was to see his father glorified. Uh, second, I want us to see how the cross glorified the father. Uh, Jesus here shows us three ways that the cross brings glory to God. And I've got to say, each of them are quite surprising and challenging. Uh, glory is directed to God by the, uh, by the cross in three ways. Through the arrival of judgment, through the expulsion of Satan, and through the attraction of people to the promised Son of Man. I recognise that with each of these, you might think, has that already happened? Did I miss judgment? Did I miss Satan's exit from the world? Did I miss droves of people running to Jesus? Well, let's start. Uh, have a look at each of them in turn, starting with the arrival of judgment. We're told that this thundering voice from heaven was for the benefit of the listeners, the crowd, rather than for the benefit of Jesus. Uh, and this is what Jesus says. Now is the time for judgment on the world. Notice he doesn't say what we expect him to say. That is, judgment is coming. Uh, we expect that because you know, we say in the Apostles' Creed, recognizing Jesus' resurrection and his ascension into heaven, then we say he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he will come to judge the living and the dead. So we expect that to be coming. Why would Jesus now say, would say, say this? Now is the time of judgment on the world. Why would he say that? Well, remember the focus here is on the death of Jesus. 
And the death of Jesus is actually the beginning of judgment. The death of Jesus passes judgment uh, um, on the world in, in that it exposes the sin of the world. Uh, since Jesus is sent by God into the world as his representative and his agent, rejection of Jesus is actually a rejection of God himself. In his murder, uh, sin is exposed in its most dreadful form. Uh, and so judgment of the world begins at the cross. Now, there's another way that judgment begins at the cross too. See, judgment begins in the sense that Jesus is judged on the cross in our place. If Jesus wasn't judged, we can't be saved. Uh, remember, of course, that judgment and salvation go together. So often we want salvation, but we don't want judgment, forgetting that we can only be saved through judgment. Uh, the finality of our sa salvation when Jesus does return will only come with the finality of judgment at the same time. Salvation and judgment go together. And we can fall into the trap of thinking that judgment is bad. But when we care about the glory of God, when we care about the hallowing of his name, when we care about the holiness of God, we have to recognize that judgment brings glory to God. He's bringing about that process that we pray for. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. That happens through judgment. So judgment has begun, beginning with the judgment of Jesus who bore our sins. This challenges the way that we think about the time that we live in, the season that we live in. If we live in a time when judgment is coming, it's easy to think about that time of accountability that's going to happen later. But if judgment has already commenced, if we're living in a time of judgment, surely we think with more urgency and more accuracy about judgment now, don't we? It's a now issue rather than a put it off till later issue. So at the cross, judgment begins, both in the indictment of the world as they murder the sent one of God and in Jesus' sacrificial death. This judgment of the cross brings glory to God. Now, another aspect of the cross that Jesus teaches us is that at the cross, Satan is expelled. Have a look at the second half of verse 31. Now, the prince of this world will be driven out. Notice Jesus doesn't say later Satan will be driven out, but now we think, well, that hasn't happened yet, has it? The prince of the world is still very active. You just read the news, look at the news. Uh, what is Jesus talking about here? Uh, we've met Satan by a bunch of different titles in the book of John. Uh, Jesus uses this title, the prince of this world, again in John 14 and John 16. Uh, earlier, Jesus spoke of him as the father of lies. Now, it's odd because Jesus on a cross looks like the victory for Satan, doesn't it? It looks like the triumph of unbelief. But remember what Jesus went through death for. He glorified God by dying the death that we deserved, that we might be right with God. In doing this, Satan is now, post the cross, powerless over those who believe in Jesus. Our path to a relationship with God is no longer blocked by our sin. At the cross, he opened the life gates that all may go in. In our release from the power of sin, we're released from the power of Satan, freed to serve God. 
So at the cross, Satan's power is gone. In fact, we sung of this experience last week. Do you remember? When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, where do we look? Up would I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. So as with judgment, we live in a season where Satan has been defeated and driven out. Now, don't get me wrong, Satan is still busy, but his busyness is the busyness of one whose time is nearly up, the busyness of one who has been defeated. And so here we see God is glorified as judgment begins. God is glorified as his enemy, Satan, is expelled. And finally, God is glorified in the cross as the people are drawn to the Son of Man. You see it there in verse 32. And when I am lifted up from the earth, uh, rather, sorry, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Uh, to us, that little phrase of lifted up or the NIV footnote, exalted, uh, suggests Jesus' resurrection. But we're told in the next verse that Jesus is speaking about the way he's going to die. That is, he's going to be hoisted up, lifted up on a cross. You can imagine why the Jewish audience can't understand the, the, the death that he's going to die. Uh, because Isaiah 6 pictures the Messiah reigning on David's throne forever. Uh, the prophet Ezekiel 37, 25 pictures the Messiah that will be their prince forever. Yet here Jesus is pictured as dying the most shameful of deaths on a, upon a tree. However, people will be drawn to him. On the cross, we see people gathered around him. Now, of course, that's not a surprise. The minute he hit Jerusalem, people were screeching Hosanna at him. The Greeks from 2,000 kilometers away were asking for him. He'd already won a following amongst the Samaritans and many others. Despite the humiliation of his death, people were drawn to him and still are. In his prayer, before, immediately before his uh, arrest, a few chapters later, Jesus looks towards heaven and prays this. He says, chapter seven, verse, uh, 17, verse 1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I've brought you glory on the earth by finishing the work you gave me. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And of course, that's what happened that very first Easter as Jesus dies and is raised back to life. As Jesus teaches us here at the cross, God is glorified. Now, I started by asking you uh, one or two, your one or two word summary of the age, the season that we're living in. You know, the, the virus season, the, the, the season of war, the season of flooding, the season of grieving or the season of hope. Uh, and these aspects of life affect us differently at different times. But being in Jesus, we remember that after the cross, the age we live in as we await his return has fundamentally changed. The season has changed. You and I now live in this season, the season of judgment. 
judgment has begun and will be brought to completion when Jesus returns. We live in a season where Satan has been expelled. Sure, he's still busy, but his power over people has been evacuated through the power of the cross. He cannot stop people from being cut off from God anymore. And finally, we live in a season where people are being drawn to Jesus. Each uh, one of us, each one of these things and brings glory to God, which of course Jesus, even in his hour of need, had as his sole driving focus. By his spirit, we pray that his desire uh, may grow us too in our resolve to grow in Christ and make him known to the glory of God. Friends, this next song that we're about to sing helps us to stop and actively reflect on all that Jesus has done for us. Uh, Consider Christ, that he could trust his Father. Though full of dread and fearful of the anguish, he drank the cup that was reserved for me. Let me pray and then we'll sing. Uh, Holy Father, uh, we are full of admiration for your Son, uh, who knowing what he had to go through, Uh, did that for your glory. Uh, We thank you for the way that at the cross, he changed the season that we now live in. Uh, Father, grow us in our, our awareness of this season of judgment that we might act according to the times. Uh, Grow us in our confidence that Satan has been expelled. Uh, Grow us in our delight of the access that we have to you through Jesus. And Father, uh, grow us in our awareness of this season as a time for people being drawn to uh, Jesus, your son. Uh, Father, we pray that you might help us uh, to glorify you as we seek to grow in Christ and make him known. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, let's sing together.